Thanks. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 18. We're going to read together there. We're going through the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings, and um, we're going to look at this entire chapter. Um, I wanted to mention, too, that baptism night is next Sunday night. If you want to follow in believer's baptism, you've trusted Christ as Savior and would like to follow in believer's baptism, uh, you can sign up for that. You can do that through a connection card in the pew in front of you, or you can do it online. And we'd love to know that you're coming. Six o'clock next Sunday night. We do it in the Kids Life Center, which is the old worship center before we moved here years ago. And um, it's kind of an intimate setting, and you're, you're, you're welcome to. I just want to commend that to you. Well, let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 18. I'm going to read the entire chapter. It's a long chapter. And we'll start uh, the next few chapters will go a little bit, a little bit smaller segments of the scripture. But I want us to see this chapter, and it's about Babylon the Great. Remember, it's the time of the Great Tribulation, after the time of the Rapture, and, and all kinds of events. A long tribulation period. It's really difficult, and we're going to see Babylon the Great. Babylon refers both to a physical city, uh, whether in Babylon, where Babylon is now, or uh, another site, but a physical city, and to the spiritual. Uh, ideas of the world, kind of the world's way of thinking and acting and, and immorality. So let's read chapter 18 all the way through. Open your Bibles. Stay with me. We're going to go all the way through this great chapter of the Bible. The Bible says, after this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven. And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. And he called out in a mighty voice, it has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She's become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit and a haunt for every unclean bird and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. And then I heard another voice from heaven, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven and God has remembered her crimes Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it according to her works. In the cup in which she mixed, mix a double portion for her. As much as she glorified herself and indulged her sensual and excessive ways, give her that much torment and grief. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, I'm not a widow, and I will never see grief. For this reason, her plagues will come in just one day, death and grief and famine. She will be burned up with fire because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. The kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the mighty city, for in a single hour your judgment has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo any longer cargo of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet, all kinds of fragrant wood products, objects of ivory, objects of expensive wood, brass, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, and frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, and grain, cattle, and sheep, horses, and carriages, and slaves, human lives. The fruit you craved has left you, all your splendid and glamorous things are gone, and they will never find them again. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels, and pearls, for in a single hour such fabulous wealth was destroyed. 
And every shipmaster, seafarer, the sailors, and all who do business by sea stood far off as they watched the smoke from her burning and kept crying out, Who was like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and kept crying out, weeping and mourning. Woe, woe, the great city, where all those who have ships on the sea became rich from her wealth. For in a single hour she was destroyed. Rejoice over her heaven and you saints, apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. Then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, In this way Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. And the voice of a groom and bride will never be heard in you again. All this will happen because your merchants were the nobility of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. In her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all those slaughtered on the earth. Well, this describes, that chapter describes a great, terrible tribulation time and a time that is still to come. And the Lord uses this to teach us some lessons about God's way and the world's way. And there are two ways you can go in life. You can go the way of the world, and many will go that way. Many will follow that path. In many ways, it's, it's certainly popular and easy in some ways, but many will go that path. Others, well, God's way of going. In the days before GPS and just the maps that you can have on your uh, phone or on your, in your vehicle, uh, we used to have to do things in a different way. You used to have physical maps, maps that you could unfold but were impossible to fold back again. They were just impossible to do, and you could follow that way. Or maybe you just get directions from someone else. Or maybe if you were really brave and not a male, you could ask for directions yourself. I mean, those are the kinds of things you could do. And sometimes I would have a general idea of where to go. But instead of asking someone or consulting the map, I could just go in a general direction. If I knew something was south, I could just drive south. And that's fine as long as you can go south. But sometimes the road comes to a T in the road. And you have to go east or west, left or right. And may I say in a sense that our lives, God brings us to these moments in life where we have to decide which direction to take. Do we go God's way or do we go the world's way? And we just go along merrily in our path and follow our own direction until we come to these moments when we can't keep going like we've gone, and we'll go God's way or the world's way. And I want to talk to you about the difference of those two. And really, this chapter reminds us of those two big pictures of the world's way and God's way. So if you're a note taker, and if you're not, I encourage you to write notes down today. Would you note this, these two principles and some kind of sub points that I'll give you as well? The first principle is the world's path fails in the end. That's really the picture God's giving us here. Really, the book of Revelation is telling us this that the world's path is going to fail in the end. Babylon the great has fallen, the Bible says. That this city that is both a physical city and represents a spiritual truth, really represents the immorality of the world, the world's direction and the world's way. It has fallen, the Bible says, in a future time. Revelation, speaking of what will come, it will fall and it's going to fail in the end. So let's note some lessons to be learned about the world's path three things I want you to note. First note, the world's path is deceptive. It's deceptive. 
The Bible says, says this in verse 2. He called out in a mighty voice, It has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She's become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird. He says in verse 3, All the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. What he's saying here is Babylon is a picture. It is such a great thing. It's going to be a wonderful way. The world's way is such a great way to go. And then you find out that it's been a lie all along. The Bible tells us the enemy is a liar and the father of lies. He likes to lie to us and deceive us. He tells us everything's going to be great. Babylon is wonderful. Oh my goodness, you're going to have a great time in Babylon. It's a wonderful place full of adventures and joy. And it's sort of like a travel brochure. It's got glossy pictures of smiling people. And, and they say this cruise of life, if you'll just get on the cruise of life with us, it's going to be wonderful. Endless buffets, ice cream machines everywhere. You're going to love it. Oh, it's going to be a wonderful thing. And then you find out that it's been a lie all along. And that Babylon is going to fall. And that, um, unfortunately, the nations have been drunk on the wine of her immorality. And it's deceived all along. Vicki and I, this summer, we're in a, we're in a city on the west coast of our, um, of our continent. A beautiful city. Bustling in many ways. Lots of people, lots of tourists. And we were walking along a busy street. And there on the side of the road were some young adults just lying there unconscious, drug paraphernalia all around them, in a stupor, unmindful of all the people walking by, all the tourists, all the city, just lying there in their own filth and oblivious to all that was going on around them in the world. And I thought, I bet it didn't start out this way. I bet they saw a glossy brochure that said, the world's way is going to be great. Maybe had some friends who said, listen, the world's way is a really great way to go. If you'll just follow us, it's going to be endless buffets and ice cream machines everywhere. And you're going to love this. It's going to make you popular and happy and joyful. It's going to make your life wonderful and rich and full. I bet they did think when they started down that path, that they were going to be in a drunken stupor on the side of the road with nothing, with all the pain, all the regret, all the brokenness around them, begging for food, stealing from others to support their habit. Perhaps at the point where they weren't even enjoying any longer the high, but just trying to find something that would take the edge off the low. I'll just tell you, the world's path is deceptive. It lies to you. Great, come on, follow this, the world says. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to enrich you. It's going to make you happy and joyful. It's going to fill your, your life with everything that you're searching for, only to find out that the enemy has been lying to you all along, and those slick brochures have just deceived you. The world's path is deceptive. Notice as well, the world's path will be judged. Verses 5 and 6, really the chapter talks about judgment, doesn't it? Verse 5 says, her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it according to her works. It's, it's, the Bible's saying there's going to be a, 
You're going to have to pay back. I, I'm not, I don't guess I'm, I'm not a financial wizard or anything, but I want to give you just a piece of financial advice. Are you ready? If you, if you um, borrow something, you're going to have to pay back. Did you know that? Someone should have told you this probably. If you get a credit card, you can just buy things on that credit card. You can decide just, I'm just going to buy something and you just, just splurge and you just buy things. But did you know that they will expect to be paid back? And did you know that if you don't pay it back in a timely fashion, not only will you pay back what you bought, but you will have to pay interest and lots of it. Did you know that? Someone should have told you this along the way. I am so glad I'm here to give you this service, this financial advice. Well, the Bible is saying over and over in this chapter and in many chapters, oh, there's a payday someday. And it's been, we've noticed judgment several times in the last few um, weeks because the book of Revelation is talking about judgment several times. And you say, okay, enough judgment, Pastor Doug, enough judgment. Let's go on to something else. And we will, of course, there's many other great, wonderful parts of the Bible. But can I tell you, God reminds us of this. These are things that have not yet happened. He tells us this to warn us, to teach us, to instruct us, because somewhere along the way, someone should have told us there's going to be a payback someday. Judgment comes one day. And God, because he cares about us and because he loves us, he tells us this truth. We often say, I don't really want to hear that. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to think about interest on credit cards because I, I just won't think about it. Better just to splurge ahead and, not, and worry about that some other day. And better to just live my life. Don't worry about judgment and all this talk about paying back and consequences to our sins. Let's just sort of ignore that part. And by the way, while we're talking about sin, really there's no such thing. Much. And if there is, it's no big deal. And then the Bible just brings you this reality check. Yeah, sin is real. It's an affront against God. And there are consequences. And God loves us too much not to tell us. He loves us too much not to tell us. And so he warns us, Babylon, it seems like so great. I'm going to get on this path. It's got a great brochure. I'll follow this path. And then we find out, oh, it's a leading somewhere. And there's going to be judgment. And then third, notice the world's path will fail. That's really what the Bible is saying here over and over. It's the, it's the big story of Revelation. A part of the big story of Revelation. One of the overarching themes is that the world's way is going to fail. God, God reminds us of something uh, that we need to learn. That the world's path that has the great brochures that look so great and wonderful it looks as though there are no consequences to our choices. Do what we want. Babylon seems so awesome. And then we find out, well, one day it's going to fail. Babylon the great has fallen in a moment, in an hour. This city, physical city, but also the symbol of immorality and the symbol of the world's way will be judged, notice, by God himself. God himself who judges. Verses 9 and 10 talk about the really the whole chapter, verses 9 and 10 say, the kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over, over her when they see the smoke from her burning. They'll stand far off in fear of her torment, saying, woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the mighty city, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And God, in chapter 17, we saw kind of the world judging the world and the Antichrist fighting against the um, false religion. And here in chapter 18, we see the judgment coming from God himself, from God himself. 
And he's reminding us the world's path will fail. When you get on a path, it's going to lead somewhere. And the Bible tells us, the book of Revelation tells us, in the end, the world's path is going to fail. And we see that over and over. And you know why God tells us that? Because it's true and because of the warning and because he's got a better way. He's got a better way. So will you look with me at a second principle? I said the world's path fails in the end. Notice God has a better path for you to follow. God has a better path for you to follow. And God has something that is right and good and best for you. So the world's path, it seems so great, wonderful travel brochures, it's going to work out great, lying to you, facing judgment, ultimately will fail. God says, not only will that fail, that's bad because it's going to fail, it's the wrong way. I've got a better path for you to follow, and I want you to see that. And so in this chapter and beyond through the book of Revelation, we see God's better path. So uh, Vicky and I grew up here in Illinois, but we moved to Texas for seminary. We were there for a number of years, and we, I just love, I love good Texas brisket. Love, I just love it. I, um, I sort of regretted uh, using this sermon illustration because I've been so hungry since I did this in the previous service. Um, I'm the, I love good Texas brisket. And I had never even heard of brisket when we moved to Texas. But in Texas, when you get barbecue, I mean, that's, the, that's what barbecue typically is. It's, um, and it just, they just know how to do it. They, just, they cook it long, slow, get it really tender. I just love that, a little bit fatty, but it's just really, you know, I, I just enjoy it a lot. So uh, we have one of our pastors here on staff, Aaron Walling, who's a pastor of the 30s and 40s, is uh, from Texas, and he knows how to cook brisket. He smokes brisket for hours and hours. You don't just cook brisket for an hour, you know, it's not it's like a microwave thing. It's hours and hours of smoking and cooking, and he knows how. To, he's from Texas, for crying out loud. And people from Texas, if they're going to smoke brisket, they, they've learned something about this. This is important to them. It's state pride is at stake on this issue. And so he, he, can, he makes a brisket. And he decided we're having a special, we have a, a new pastor coming on board. And he said, let's have all the guys over and we'll do a, a he'll smoke a brisket. And man, it's a great idea, except that I had another event. There's an event for our association. I knew I needed to go to it. It's just a, a thing that I needed to be at. And so I was going to have to miss that brisket. And so I came to this other event and it was catered by a local caterer. And they had, uh, their, as it turned out, their, what they were making that day was brisket as well. Only it wasn't Texas brisket. And I'm sure they, I'm sure the caterer tried. They just didn't try hard enough. And so it was chewy and tough, which is not what brisket should be. And that's what I had. And while I was eating the tough, chewy brisket, one of the guys sent me a text, a picture of the brisket sliced and steaming that had been made, this Texas brisket, by our pastor Aaron Walling. And I thought, mm, I'm settling for something so much less. And can I tell you, there are many of you here probably who are selling for something so much less than God's best. You've said maybe, all right, I know the world's way is bad, but, but I want you to see not only that, I want you to see God's ways so much better, so much better. Would you just note three things about God's path? First, God's path trusts God's authority. 
In verse 1 of this chapter, the Bible says, after this, I saw another angel with great authority. Well, where, where did the angel's authority come from? It's coming down. He's coming down from heaven. It's the authority of heaven. The Bible is reminding us of this truth that Jesus is Lord, that he has authority in heaven and on earth. The Bible says the earth was illuminated by his splendor. He called out, verse 2 says, with a, in a mighty voice. This is a reminder of the authority of God. Now, we know Christ as Savior, and if you've not been saved, I pray you'll come to know Christ as Savior, but the Bible tells us that we need to know Jesus as Lord. He saves us from our sins, for which I'm very thankful. If you've not yet been saved, to use Bible terminology, or born again, to use Jesus' very own words, then you need that in your life. Make Jesus your Savior. Even today, you could give your life to Christ, but we don't stop there. We want, to, we want to recognize that not only is Jesus our Savior, but Jesus is our Lord. He has authority. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And Jesus gives us his authority. We live with his authority, and his path is we follow it because we trust the Lord. And some of us perhaps have not followed the Lord because we really haven't trusted him. We've said, I know, maybe some of you have said this, I know Jesus is Lord. I know he's Lord, but we don't live like it. We say, I know Jesus has authority, but we live as though I've got authority. So I'll just do what I want or what I like or what I feel or what I think or what my friends say I ought to do or what my parents say I ought to do or what the world says I ought to do or what the latest movie tells me I ought to think. And I'm just going to live that way as though Jesus, now I know he's Lord, but I'm not going to live that. Let me tell you, if, if the day can come in your life when you will recognize that Jesus is Lord and you'll begin to live that out. What a great day that will be for you as you take that path, following the Lord, going in his direction, doing what he wants. God's path trusts God's authority. Secondly, God's path obeys God's commands. It obeys God's commands. Verse 4 says this. This is a, a kind of a critical verse in this chapter, verse 4. Then I heard another voice from heaven. Come out of her, my people. This is Babylon the Great that's fallen. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. Come out of her, my people. If you're mine, then I want you to leave Babylon the great. I, I want you to stop sharing in her sins. I want you to stop receiving her judgment because you're my people. You're my people. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 is a great verse, but it's unpopular. It says, don't become partners with those who do not believe. Or the old King James said, don't be unequally yoked. And the Bible is reminding us here that we can never be satisfied, believer. We can never be satisfied in Babylon. Maybe you've tried to have a, a foot in the city of Jerusalem and a foot in the city of Babylon. I'm going to try to follow at the same time God's way sometimes and the world's way sometimes. And listen, we'll never, we're never going to be satisfied in Babylon. And the Lord says to us, come out from her. You're my people. Don't share in her sins. Don't receive her judgment. Come out from her. And God does that because he loves you, because he wants what's best for you, not because he's trying to make your life miserable, because he's trying to keep you from having a great time, but because he's aware of what he told us in that first principle about the end of the world, the direction of the world, the judgment of the world. And so God has a better plan for us. And he calls us to obedience. Obedience it's not always super popular, even among those of us who name the name of Christ, is it? Sometimes we just say, I know what God says, but. And we rationalize. Or we argue with God. 
So let me ask you this, without like giving any examples of what it might be. What is it in your life? You say, I know God wants me to obey him in this. I'm not, I'm not even giving any examples. Just, I know God wants me to obey him in this. He wants me to stop that or start this or live in this way or make this correction. No, you don't have to don't say it out loud, but just what, what is it? Because I didn't say anything, but the Holy Spirit has a way of convicting us and reminding us. Here's what I want. I want you to obey me. I want you to trust me. Trust my authority as Lord in your life. Just as you trust me to be Savior, trust me to be Lord. And I want you to do this radical thing. I want you to obey me. Obedience sounds sort of radical to us. But let me tell you, it's a great thing. And when we trust God and we obey him, and that is the path, God's good path, God's better way for us. And God wants that for you. And then notice the third thing. God's path is worthy of sacrifice. It's worthy of sacrifice. So in the book of Revelation, we see this terrible tribulation time. And then we see some right in the middle of the tribulation, who even after the rapture, come to know him as Savior. Many of them become martyrs of the faith, just as there are many in our own day and age who are living as martyrs of the faith, sacrificing greatly. Let's not take the word sacrifice out of the Christian life. Verse 24 of this chapter says, In her, in Babylon the great that has fallen, in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all those slaughtered on the earth. So there were people who said, Man, I'm, I'm going to follow the Lord even though it's super unpopular in the days of tribulation. And I'm going to follow the Lord even though it might mean my blood, the blood of the prophets and the saints. And I'm going to follow the Lord even though it's hard. Can I, can I just tell you something? God's path can be hard. It can be hard. I didn't say, just because something's hard does not mean it's wrong or bad, of course. Many of the greatest things in life come at the end of some really challenging, hard work, effort. Many of the great things in life. And God's way can be hard. You know, the world's, the world's way is sort of, sort of wide and flat and maybe even downhill. Just, you just, you just slide down. You don't have to be like the salmon swimming upstream and jumping over every little rivulet. You, you can just swim down downstream. It's easy. Follow the world, follow the culture, follow the path of least resistance. Maybe some of you have been on the wrong path just because it's the easy path. And God's way can sometimes be more narrow, more unpopular, and sometimes it can be challenging. Following God's way is hard. There are people in this world right now who are sacrificing for the cause of Christ and even to the point of martyrdom for the cause of Christ who have not removed the word sacrifice from their Bibles and who believe that God's path is worthy even of our sacrifice and who have said the world's path is a, not only is it wrong but God's way is better even the hardness of it even the difficulties even, the, even though it's uphill it's, it's the best and when you come to that realization that God's path is not only right but it's also best. That's a, that's a game changer. Not only is his path the right path, the good path, but it's the fulfilling path. It's the one that gives meaning and purpose in this world, in this life, and in eternity.
It changes things. And God gives us the book of Revelation so we can see what will happen, so that we can see the results. One path that seems so great, great brochures and leads to destruction. And one path that's hard and challenging and sometimes calls us to sacrifice, but so great. Exactly what our soul is longing for deep inside. And one day when we stand before God in eternity, we'll see that so much more fully. But wise is the man or woman who sees that right now. Right now. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? If you're here when I talked about being saved, being born again, that's never happened to you. You've never given your life to Christ. Today, would you recognize that you're a sinner who needs a Savior? That's the starting place. You can't, make, you can't reach heaven in your own merit or goodness or hard work or religion even. But you need Christ. Would you turn from yourself and your sin? Would you give your life to Christ? Ask him to save you. Place your trust in him that Jesus died for you and rose from the grave for you. And Christian, some of you, when I talked about knowing Jesus as Savior, but not really living for him as Lord, knowing that he is Lord, but not really living like he is Lord, maybe that was, maybe you said, that's me. That's me. And I wonder if today you would say, God, I, I want to learn the lesson from your word. You tell me this for a reason. You help me to see the end of the path that I'm on right now. So, Lord, I want to get on the path that's leading to where you want me to go. And I want to follow you. And I want to glorify your name. And I want to have the better path that gives me the life that you want me to have, the, to make the difference you want me to make. And the path that I'll be glad I took when I stand before you one day. Father, thank you for your word, for this great chapter that tells us truths, even hard truths. And you do that because you love us. You want what's best for us. You tell us the truth. Even though the world lies to us, you just tell us the truth. And you want something better than the wrong way the world is always calling for us to follow. All the travel brochures say how great it is. And yet we see the reality in your word. And you have a better path, a path that's good and right, fulfilling and a path of meaning. A path that's difficult and hard, but a path that's right and good and best. And so, Father, I pray you will call us again today to take those steps toward you and not just to know you as our Lord but to live out that reality in our lives and we'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus name. Amen.